Hey, it's Richie, and before we begin today's show, you've been hearing us talking about DraftKings for well over a month now. They are, of course, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and now a huge payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. However, you got to be outside of the state of, state of Arizona. Daily fantasy is not legal here in Arizona quite yet, but if you are listening to us elsewhere in the United States of America or Canada, you probably know how to play by now. You can download the DraftKings app and sign up using the promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings, DraftKings.com. $7 billion has been paid out by DraftKings over all sports over the last couple of years, and I know you want a piece, DraftKings. Dot com. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It has been an insane couple of days. Um, Richie and I are recording this on, um, what is this, Wednesday night. I'm losing my days. Um, And uh, we're still pretty hyped because the game ended maybe like 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, something in there. I don't know. I can't even think straight at this point. That third period was definitely something else. I... I don't even know. It, it's. I I wish I could say that this was some really fun hockey to watch, but it was actually really stressful. So to get into all of this and get into basically the last two games straight off the bat, um, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores, how you doing? Hello, Corey. Yeah, like you said, the game ended about half an hour ago. Both of us are still buzzing here. Um, I... I was drinking a cold brew from Dutch Bros the entire game long. I still have a little bit of it left, but I don't think it's the cold brew that's keeping me alive right now. I think it's the fact that the Coyotes have come back from three goals down in two straight games to get four points out of four against the Anaheim Ducks. And there's so much to talk about here over the last two games. I don't even know quite where to start with it. I'm just happy um, that they got the four points and... And they're still now back into a playoff spot as where we are recording with 21 points, which ties them with the LA Kings. And they're only a point back of the St. Louis Blues now with a game in hand, which is very impressive. The race in the West, West Division, very, very tight this year. Where do you want to start? Because I don't. I, there's so much to talk about. We can go for three hours. Corey and I usually start the show by bullshitting for 25 minutes. And then we usually end the show with some random shit. I don't think we're going to have time for any of that because we can just talk about the last two games of hockey for three hours, actually, if we really wanted to. I mean, I think we should start with Aiden fucking Hill. Like, this was what a way to come in as being, you know, the number three goaltender, which is an interesting conversation in itself considering the fact that with how hurt Auntie Ranta is all the time, he has deemed himself to be practically worthless. And I know that's a strong statement to make, but he has. He's basically deemed himself to be basically worthless because of the fact 
that he's injured all the time. Um, Darcy Kemper is getting tired and it was we were all very worried that he had gotten injured. He's apparently okay. But um I'm I'm just glad that Aiden Hill came in, made that amazing save in overtime and uh, was able to pull it out for them in the shootout. So props to him for coming in um you know at down 3-0 and really helping give the energy throughout the rest of this game because I don't know I just feel like I think Darcy Kemper's tired and I think he's frustrated as we saw in the first game against the Ducks when he uh, tried to get some e- either get some some frustrations out or get some energy flowing but like no matter what is burnt out and so it's nice to see someone come in and actually fucking pull it out for this team because uh Auntie Ranta is nowhere to be found. He was, Aiden. speaking of Aiden Hill, he was 14 of 14 in net between the time. He made the big save in overtime, like you said, gone post to post on what was looking like it was going to be the game winner. Maybe the save of the season for the Arizona Coyotes, in my opinion. And like you said, Rick Talk had said after the game that he didn't appear to be injured. He just took him out to try and give the team a, a boost, to try and basically tell his team like hey get your shit together all right you got to play better for your goaltender and they did did just that scoring three goals in a row to tie the game and of course winning in the shootout and then Aiden Hill coming up big in the shootout too with a a couple big saves there I I was worried there for a second after the goal from Zegers I was like oh no are we gonna are we gonna see another blow uh, blown shootout lead like a like the Coyotes did um, against the LA Kings when Darcy Kemper gave up three straight shootout goals, but no, like I'm so I cannot believe what Aiden Hill did. Like they this team came back from three goals down, yes, but in my opinion, Aiden Hill may very well could be the first star of the game because the, he has not, he hasn't played all season. In fact, if you give me a second, Corey, I want to find out the Hill saw action in a National Hockey League game because. It's been it's been a been completely cold like that and had some made some really nice saves. You could argue some of the best goaltending we've seen from the Coyotes all season long, you know? Like man, that's that's so good to see and it's performances like that that can give a team a little bit of, you know, excitement and a boost and so Kessel I mean, after, it got, Yeah, go ahead. It got you so excited that you you started chirping people um on twitter for just posting the zegris because like obviously it was his his first um for just posting that and not posting all of the um and not posting the the other two absolutely dirty goals from uh dvorak and garland um it got you that height it it was very it was, it's a lot of fun to watch when Rishi gets so hyped, he starts he starts chirping people online. And it wasn't just anybody I was chirping. It was John Butchergrass I was chirping. And he, he came back at me and couldn't even form a complete sentence, which was really funny. But yeah, because Trevor Zegers was getting all the per- He was getting his goal shared around everywhere. I'm like, dude, didn't fucking matter, right? Go watch Connor Garland and Christian Dvorak's goals, those were just as dirty. To answer my own question, Aiden Hill has not been in a National Hockey League game in over a year on the calendar. February 19th, 
of 2020 was the last time Aiden Hill saw NHL action. And then he comes and he does and, and pitches a 14 for 14 shutout. So that's how you win hockey games, though, right? It starts with your defense and goaltending. And for a team that, in the for a couple periods, they're the first period uh, back on Monday, and then the second period here on on Wednesday night, they completely failed in that in that respect, right? In the second period, I believe the Coyotes went something like eleven minutes without getting a shot on goal. So somehow, some way, this team found two ways to win in back-to-back games. And like you said, Aiden Hill was a big part of that. And now I'm curious, what do you do now? when you, You're going to take on the Colorado Avalanche up on Friday and Saturday. Colorado, one of the best teams in the league this year, of course. What do you do? Darcy Kemper appears to be healthy, but you need to give him my opinion, like we were just talking about there. So do you stick with Aiden Hill on Friday? Or do you go back to Kemper? Or, hell, if Ronta's back help, do you go to him? I, I think Rick Toggett has a fascinating dilemma on his hands here. Yeah, I I think um, I think he was very impressed by Hill tonight, just as we were. He had said uh, able to come in there and stay mentally strong and do what he needed to do tonight is a testament to Hilly. I've got to give it to that kid a lot of credit tonight. He was really impressed by him, but again, we only saw him in one period of action and it was up against the ducks um which is a much different team than colorado so how do you feel comfortable with that i mean they've been able to see him um in in a lot of practices and with that taxi squad and everything so they've really been able to see him that way i don't it depends on how they feel he is prepared you know we we only got a small sample size as great as it was it was still a smaller sample size i i do think it, it opportunity i don't know if it necessarily earned him an opportunity uh, but you are absolutely correct considering the fact that darcy kemper needs a break um he is near his breaking point and we've slowly been seeing it recently and so it you may be taking a high risk by putting him in one of the games against Colorado, but you might have to do it. It might just possibly be that they play Kemper in the first game, see how it, how the team plays. That's the other thing as well. It's so dependent. This team teams that are better than them and down to teams that are worse than them. So they might actually be playing more defense in front of Darcy than they, they have been recently and playing, um, a little bit cleaner of hockey. So it's so highly dependent and they're going to have to go based off of how they feel and how, um, how they determine that both of them are looking. Um, and that's so on this end of it, but I, I could see him getting, getting one game depending upon whether they want to either give Darcy a break or two, um, they, they play the first game and it's just not going well. And they, they want to change things up with Aiden again. So it, I think there is a possibility that we'll be seeing him um, for the Ronta part. Who fucking knows? I swear to God. I like, I have no idea where, how he even gets hurt half the time. Like is this cause, and it's not like it's always the same thing either. Like you we would have to think it's some type of lingering injury, but it always seems to be different. I don't know. That is one of the greatest mysteries. Someone must have a um, what are what are those 
what are those called? Are they voodoo dolls that where voodoo people dolls. like stab mm -hmm. them? I feel like someone is stabbing a voodoo doll of Auntie Ranta and just breaking the man's body. What, um, what, how he always hurts himself. But I, I don't think as a team they can really count on him anymore. You have to start making plans without him, honestly. I, I think so too. I mean, I, I think we're seeing the end of Auntie Ronta's tenure here in Arizona, but we can leave that that discussion for later on in the season. And I, it's, I think it's a, almost a 100% likelihood this weekend that we're going to see both goaltenders this weekend. We're going to see two different ones, right? Because it's a back-to-back -back on Friday and Saturday against Colorado. And so it's up to Rick Talk to decide what he's going to do. And I have a feeling that it's, it's likely going to – I think at least we're going to get one game from Darcy and one game from Aiden Hill – because I just I don't – yeah, I feel like Aiden Hill earned a chance to play this weekend, okay? He earned – based on what he did against Anaheim, he earned a shot to get a full game, in my opinion, by what he did tonight and based on what Rick Toggett said and based on what Phil Kessel was saying about him. But here's – my next question here is, is based on how they played against Anaheim, they have no chance against Colorado. Like, there's just no way. You can't do what they did against Anaheim in those two games and basically, more or less, they got lucky that they beat Anaheim. The fact that they gave up six goals in two games to that fucking team should be a debacle. Anaheim Ducks are the worst offense in the National Hockey League and you give up six goals to them across two games? That That is a mess defensively and in, and in goal for this team. And oh yeah, which means they have to play perfect hockey against Colorado, basically. And I just don't see that happening, especially after that playoff series when the Coyotes were completely mismatched. So the Coyotes are going to be in one here on Friday and Saturday against the Avalanche. That's for sure. It's so highly dependent on which which Coyotes you see. If you are going to get the Coyotes that play against uh, the Blues, who. Uh, play a lot more consistent hockey or if you're going to see the Coyotes against, you know, um, Kings and Ducks, which are a mess, a giant shit show most of the time. I mean, given they're in both of these games, there were only two periods. It was the first period in um, the first game and the second period in the, the second game. Oh, that's kind of funny how that worked. But um, that were just absolute garbage. But still, like we've we've you have to play a consistent uh, six. When you play Colorado, it comes down to tiny mistakes, small minuscule mistakes on the ice that are going to cost you, and they will cost you dearly because they will be a lot tighter and a lot heavier of games. And um, and you can't. You can't have a chain of um, making dumb decisions, um, bad defensive plays, and not having any offense and think you're going to win a hockey game. It just doesn't work that way. You can start a period like this second game where you're doing well, but you're not, you're not scoring offensively, and then have a trash second period and then be able to turn it on in the third and just be able to pull it out. Because of the fact that you're playing the Ducks. That is literally the only reason why. And so it's it's not going to happen. It, it's 
um it's funny because you know it's very exciting it's very like nerve-wracking to watch and stuff like that and you get you're really hyped about it in the end but in a way it's kind of um it's kind of like an instagram filter it's kind of glazing over the shit that's underneath because of the fact that if you really think about this congrats you got the four points out of this but you should have been able to get them much easier and not given up um any points during that process it just it's really shitty to see this team um not perform well but i'm sadly not surprised yeah neither am i i think a lot of the things we saw in in this in this really against la and anaheim the last four games total is a team that is basically playing like we thought they would play, right? Granted, they won the last two games 4-3, to three, but they had a lot of luck go their way in the third period of both of those games. And they create a lot of that luck because of their, you know, their, their ability to put the Ducks back on their heels in the third period of those games and have them make mistakes. And the perfect example of that was the Phil Kessel goal to tie the game where, you know, they were able to uh, pressure the Ducks in their defensive zone, and they made a mistake, and Phil Kessel was left wide open back door for a tap-in goal. But for the most part, this team has struggled to score, and they've struggled to do it consistently, and they've struggled to do it consistently from a lot of their bottom, bottom nine, and I've talked about that on this show and on Twitter, and you know, Coach Taki reiterated that after the game because – for the first 40 minutes, you know, 45 minutes of the game on Wednesday, right? Then they were scoreless again. And and that's my biggest question about this team is like, yeah, cool. You got, you know, three goals against Anaheim and then the shootout. And then you, you had four goals on the in the Monday game. But they need to do it more consistently, right? And luckily tonight, you know, they were able to get some uh, Connor Garland to contribute, right? And Christian Devorai to contribute, but they need more consistency. And I'm curious to see now if they can do that against tougher competition. They proved they can do it against the Blues, but how wild would it be if this team got back on track and they started to play with more consistency against these better teams, against your Colorados and your Minnesotas that are coming up on the schedule? That's par for the course for this team, right? Where against Vegas, they hung in there. They played okay. They didn't play awful for most of that four-game set, right? Against St. Louis, for the most part, they were the better team in that series. So I'm hoping there's a little bit of that like at play here where the Kyries just somehow find a way to find a switch. It's like, oh, we got to play good against this good hockey team. And it wouldn't shock me at all. If this team like showed up against Colorado and st- put their foot on the gas and was able to to sneak out, you know, two or three points against against the Avalanche, which would be kind of wild coming off of what happened in the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, because this team doesn't fully really make sense. Every single time they go into a situation, you think, you know, a really tough battle for them and, and they there's a possibility they're going to get slaughtered. They actually somehow turn into a, a different team. They start to turn the gears. It's it. It's like they don't perform until they are in these like unbelievable situations that you never think they're going to get out of. You know, it's like in this one, you're like, okay, 
they pulled this out on Monday. How are they going to do this again? There's no way they're going to do this again. And then they end up doing it. And it's, and it's crazy, but it's the way that this team is, is built. I don't know. It's just the way that they always over the past, like two seasons now, the way that they've operated has always been very scratching and clawing esque. They like to come from behind that way and just pull their self back up. It's interesting that you pointed out the fact about um, how they need more consistency from their scoring. Even Talkit had mentioned tonight that, um, you know, they're getting great production out of that short leash line and they're getting great production out of certain players, but there are many, many more that need to be producing just as consistently. That's where you end up having lulls is you can't be relying all completely on one line to score for you. And um, so you really have to have all of these, the, the bottom lines producing just as often um, because that's what this, this team needs. And, and two, to your fact of when you're saying like, uh, wouldn't it be cool if they were um, better and play more consistently during the, during the third period? What if this is what the Coyotes always played like it would be? And then I, I did a gif of magic because it absolutely would be completely magic to see that is the when this team is firing on all cylinders is when they are in desperation mode and it, it's really unfortunate that that's the only time you get to see the best they have is when they are situations when it's when being desperate is their only option that's when they finally turn turn it on and and become the team that we know they can be and the team that Richie and I have been arguing the people that they can be because um you know within the network a lot of people like to count the coyotes down and out it's funny um richie you had tweeted from um our account about on the monday game about the the ducks um players who were in the box laughing after the fight also there was so many fights we could go we could go, do an entire podcast on all the fights um over the past two games <coughs> sorry choked um but uh you had tweeted out about that and it started like blowing up of all these people that were like tweeting about it it's to you if there is a chance to shit on the coyotes people will jump on that bandwagon and and it's so hard for us to sometimes like stay positive and really just tell everyone this team has this possibility you they have it to you it, it's so hard that we get to see small glimpses of it, but never a full picture. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's the frustrating part of it. But the good thing about that, though, is not necessarily ruin their season yet. They're still like, like I said, the West Division is so close right now that they're still in it. So there's still a lot of time left in the season about, gosh, really, what are we, 20 games into the season, right? So there's still time. So there's still time for this team to really get on a roll and, and, and roll through a four or five game win streak. And the way the Western division is stacking up right now, if you can go on a four or five game win streak, when all the games are interdivision like they are, or interdivision like they are, that's going to go a long way. So the fact that they're just still kind of hanging around, 
they're just below, you know, in, in a minus goal differential. They can easily pick that back up if they have a couple of good games in a row. They're well over a 500 points percentage. Like, they're hanging around, and that's a good thing. And at the end of the day, like, my big takeaway from this entire Anaheim series is, yeah, they didn't play all that great, but they got to move on, right? They got the four points, and that's what matters <laughs> at the end of the day is the points and your wins – and I'm just glad that they managed to figure out a way to get all four points against Anaheim because the way they played against against L.A., like, it wasn't looking very good. So, uh, at, after these last two games, I'm still fairly positive about this team. Will that change come this weekend? It probably will, honestly. I feel like we're watching, like, we get, like you said, we're watching a, you know, a pretty much a helter-skelter type of, of roster at this point, but. It was exciting to watch, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I um, I would like to say that being an Arizona sports fan is, is never easy. They never make it easy on us because every single team, you see them on the cusp of greatness every single time, but they have to blow it before they do well. And I what it is about this state every team loves to do that to us so if you've ever wondered if you're a strong person you are strong just by being an Arizona sports fan <laughs> yeah and you know I was watching the the Suns game on Wednesday night too and they lost um, they blew a 13 point lead early in the game I would say the same thing about the Suns like the Suns are feel like feel like everything's going right for the Suns right now they're 20 and 11. They're playing really well. They're one of the five best teams in the NBA right now, I'd say. But I feel like the sky is going to come crashing down at some point. That's really mean of me to say. But like, we're so freaking cynical anymore in this town, aren't we? Um, if there is one thing, though, that is no debate, whether people want to act like there is or not, uh, is the fact that they have both the Coyotes and the Suns have like the coolest jerseys in the league. I agree, and yeah, you're referring to the Coyotes' reverse retro purple jerseys, right? And then the Suns' uh, City Edition jerseys, as they're officially called, but they're the black jerseys with the really cool, like, sun kind of thing that says the valley on it. I agree. Yes. Those are dope. Yeah, so, I mean, if there is any bright side, they look good even if they're losing. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of the rest of the league are jealous of those two jerseys. Unfortunately, the Coyotes are 0-2. In the you know, they lost both I was them. really hoping they would have the same Kachina vibes. I thought I was hoping it would bring the Kachina vibes over. Yeah, but so far, not quite. But who knows? Maybe that will change on Saturday against the against the uh, the Avalanche when they wear those jerseys again and hopefully can avoid going 0-3 in them which would be nice because at some point like it becomes one of those things where like these look cool but i don't want to wear them anymore because it ain't working out yeah i mean luckily they're they wear them every saturday game in february and march so it's not like it's not an insane amount of games so if anything goes south in that end um it's it's not the dominant <laughs> jersey so uh and they they're wearing the kachinas quite a bit, so that's that's the bright side of that. I mean, um, 
they they still again like even if you're losing you still look good losing i just feel like it, they should be embracing it a little bit more you know the good play good type feels mm-hmm. a little bit more um but who knows with this team like like i said you can go into a situation thinking oh they're going to just be absolute ass or this team is going to be average this team is going to be great and they will do the complete opposite it's honestly like a rebellious teenager and um we are all the parents just hoping that uh they don't kill themselves like that's basically where we're at at this point (laughs) i guess that's one way to put it i guess that's one way to put it but um do we i don't know if we have much else to say about the last four games there's a lot going on obviously but i want i i We'd be remiss if we didn't mention how great Phil Kessel's been playing lately. He had two more points again on Wednesday. He's got, what, six points, a couple multi-point games. He is – I'm bringing up his stats right now here. He's got uh, 14 points in 19 games this year. He's been a little streaky at times, but to see Phil Kessel starting to get his hot streak rolling again is a big deal for this team. Because he's such a big piece of this roster. Um, I hope we can keep it going, though. Because, like, he went 10 games without a goal. He now has three goals in his last four games. Very, very important for Phil Kessel to to see him back, basically, to kind of full strength now as he's – and uh, and he's expected to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Phil Kessel is – this team needs production out of, and very consistently. When he went on that, that dry spell, it was very evident – and uh, this, so this has been a, a long time though with that spell of games in there where he wasn't getting any points. So um, he's he's a vet. He knows how to be in the right place at the right time, and he just needs to consistently be doing that because, um, like tonight, when he is in the right place at the right time, he's scoring goals. So uh, it's some of it's not even necessarily a talent of although he's been. Uh, moving it around in uh, the offensive zone pretty well um, as of recent. Um, it's literally just if if he just uses his um, skills with his knowledge of the game and ability to it correctly, it it really glad that he's doing well. And um, I I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but um, I guess we do have to give a shout out to the fact that. Um, the first time we played the Ducks, um, the Ducks were the ones having a goaltender throw some punches out. And this time around, it was us with Darcy Kemper throwing some punches out. So um, I think we are starting a goaltender fight club. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. I almost forgot about that John Gibson getting into it with Connor Garland earlier this season. He jumped on him, which also, too, by the way, if I want to like nitpick on some, I won't go into to a lot of deep things about uh, certain um, choices, I guess you can say, that the officiating was making, you know, like when someone's bleeding from the eye and not making that for but i'm but i digress um it was very interesting as well though that like gibson full-blown like 
skated out of his crease and jumped on Connor Garland and nothing happened. But there were like a gaggle of penalties on Darcy Kemper for his. Sounds about right. I I usually don't harp on officiating too much, but especially when it comes to Connor Garland, I, th- I feel like things are a little one-sided this this season. Because oh, he gets he gets pushed around very often, and very often there aren't really a lot of penalties. I think there was a, a case on on during the Wednesday game here where there was some scrummage going on in front of the net, right? I think Oliver Ekman-Larsen and Max Jones got into it, and mm-hmm. they ended up calling the four-on-four. But it's like, you know, the Ducks were the aggressors here, not Oliver Ekman-Larsen, because we know OEL is not the the most. Um, I wouldn't say aggressive, but he's not the first coyote, I would say, to like toss <laughs> I was the wondering gloves. where you're gonna go with this. I was really wondering how you're gonna say that. Yeah, he's not he's not the first guy to drop the gloves, right? You that's Lawson Krause, you're Tyler Pitlix, you're Drake Jules. He's known to be a softer player. I mean, and not as much now, but the history of him he was very much known as being a soft player throughout the league i don't know what their exact their opinion of him is now but that definitely his reputation right 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 all right um well i think it's going to do it for our hockey talk here i think i want to wrap up the show Corey, in the next five minutes that we have and quickly talk about our question we had which is our hashtag sporty question of the of the show I asked, the scene in a movie or TV show that makes you cry, this was spurned by my watching of Saving Private Ryan on Wednesday morning, and one of my favorite movies of all time, every movie, when Private Ryan goes back to the grave of Captain Miller, and and he asks his family, like, tell me I have led a, led a good life, tell me I'm a good man, like, oh my god, that gets me every time. So that's what spurned on... My question, we got a lot of replies. Let me read through some of them quickly. Um, Dylan sent us a GIF of what appears to be from The Office, I believe, of Steve Carell. Uh, Broadway Boys, the New York Rangers yeah, podcast. Yeah, Steve Carell leaves when he's – because there's two seasons of The Office where he is no longer on The Office because him and Holly have left. I assume that's what that was from, so I've never seen it. But we'll leave that for another discussion. The Broadway Boys New York Rangers podcast tweeted us a picture of of a scene from Up with um, during like the funeral scene there. Ugh. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Hungry for Hawks Talk tweeted when Andy says goodbye to Woody and Buzz during at the end of Toy Story 3. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, Isha saying the movie Radio. We have Chris from the Boston Bruins podcast saying Coco, which I have yet to see, actually. Um, Neither have I. I need to, though. Uh, Grant, friend of the show, of course, Wolverine's death at the end of of uh, Logan. And uh, AJ from Vegas says Toy Story 3 and 4. And we got a lot more, too. So you can go check those out at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter. But I explained my pick. Your pick did not shock me at all, either. Yeah, so I had two. Um, well, one for Grant. I was with Grant when he watched that. Biggest like Wolverine fan you can meet. 
And I had to make sure he was okay after that movie because I was like, are you sure you're okay? The man's supposed to be mortal and he just died. Um, but uh, yeah, mine was um, uh, along the same vein, I guess you could say. Mine was um, the I am Iron Man and then snapping his fingers and then obviously Iron Man dies. Uh, that was a lot for me. I was bawling, crying, like, for a long period of time. I, so, um, yeah, that one was really rough for me. The one that has always made me, from when I was a kid, um, and I had it as, like, my secondary one, is when Bruce Willis dies in Armageddon. There's so many other people that could have died, so gone out there, but no, he had to die, had to say bye before she got married, to save her fiance, I hate that scene. They couldn't have made that scene more dramatic. I haven't seen that movie in like over a decade, actually. Yeah, just watch that scene with Liv Tyler and Bruce Willis, and and it will make you like ugly cry. Is um is that the song with the the um Aeros- is that Aerosmith? Or is it the Everyone Google always brings song? that up. And it's it's funny. Everyone always brings that up, and and it's that. So the I don't want to miss a thing uh-huh. is actually when Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck are on like a picnic because Ben Affleck's like her fiance. And they're on a picnic, and he's got little animal crackers, and he's like going up like her stomach with like the animal cracker, like having it like climb on her. And they're they're on a picnic when that song's playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember liking Armageddon as a kid. I I don't remember crying at all during the at the time I first saw it, but that's it. I'm trying to think of like what my what my second pick would be. I'm trying to think of like a movie in recent memory or a TV show in recent memory, and there's nothing that really comes to mind. Really, probably Oliver Queen's death. Oh, and he, and they fucking did it to us twice too. Those fucking bastards. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. And in the series finale, too, with, with Oliver and Felicity, and they're, like, holding hands. and like, oh, that's so cute. And then those are probably the, those are the most recent ones I could think of, at least. That No, that was that one actually was probably the most, like, that was probably the hardest part. It was actually when they met up at the end. Mm-hmm. Because then uh, she was like, oh, well, if this is your, um, you're making this up in your head or whatever, then then why are we here and he goes it's where i first saw you and she goes no it wasn't and but it really was because she was looking at the picture of him in his office and she goes oh you're really cute too bad you're dead and that was when he was like hiding in queen consolidated she didn't know see i'm getting like a little bit emotional talking about it and people are gonna think i'm weird because i know the exact bits and pieces of that final scene but whatever i haven't gone back and watched it i watched the series finale one time but i couldn't put it through myself to watch it again oh no i haven't watched it again i just remember watching that and i was like sitting there i'm like oh it's when she was in because i've watched that first not that first episode but like that episode from the first season um i've watched that episode multiple times where uh they show uh like the flashback of her being in um being in like the his his dad's office 
and she was like putting like some papers in there and then she like holds up a picture of like him with his dad and she's like you're really cute too bad you're dead and then sets him back down and he's hiding and he's that's when the first time he sees her mm-hmm. so i remember that when i watched it the first time and it like got ingrained into my soul yeah it's uh i want to go back i will go back and watch arrow at some point because I, I still miss it because like the cw shows now like i was watching superman and lois the series how was that it? show you know it's very different it's very different because it's not really at least the first episode wasn't a superman show hmm. in the wherein supergirl is very much a supergirl show where she's supergirl quite a bit of the time and you know she has her team of like helping her on her 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 missions or whatever you know week to week and taking down villains whereas superman and lois is more of a family drama because is it like Smallville in that way? Yes, it's I, the best way I would describe it for Superman fans is it's a little, got a little bit of the teen drama from the first few seasons of Smallville when Clark is still in high school, and then it's got kind of it's got that part to it, and then it's got a little bit of the original Lois and Clark TV show too, where it's a little bit more of a an adult version of it kind of where he's more grown up and he, he's Clark a lot of the time. And it's kind of, and it's got that kind of romance romance type of like that show was. And it's kind of a mix of the two because in this particular show, a lot of the, the point of the show is that Superman Clark is now a dad. He's got two teenage sons in this version of the show. And that's kind of the, the whole point of the show where it's more of him dealing with how to be a father than it is with him being Superman. And that really intrigued me because I always think Clark Kent is a more interesting character than Superman himself. So I'm glad they focused on the relationship more in the pilot episode of Clark of Lois and their two sons more so than anything else. And and it really differentiated itself between, uh, between the rest of the Arrowverse shows for that, in my opinion. So I'm hoping it sticks to that kind of idea rather than going full like superhero here in the next few episodes. That's very interesting. I mean, I think um, Superman so interesting is the fact that he does have a very human side. I mean, technically, if you take him out of um, Earth and you take him away from a red sun, he really is just a normal person at that point. Um so I, I do think it's always really interesting how they explore that. Um, I really loved Smallville, which was part of the reason, like I initially was going to watch Arrow right when it like came out um, because of the fact that my dad and I were big Smallville fans and uh, they, they made the green arrow in Smallville though. Absolutely atrocious. So if you're ever, Oh yeah. Yeah. I went back he- and watched an episode of Justin Hartley's green arrow on that show cheesy as fuck oh it's it's obnoxious i'm like why why do you exist it's absolutely terrible completely terrible so don't ever go back and watch it for green arrow because it's not good um but we were still going to out of curiosity watch it especially because it was a different actor so we're like oh they might actually make it better and and obviously they did um you know everyone always says that like arrow's a little bit more batman-esque it doesn't um, he doesn't get more like comedic, I guess you could say, until like later 
seasons. But um, so I was I was going to watch it directly after because of that. It was I just I don't know. I graduated high school and and uh, I forgot about life. So and. Uh, so I didn't go back until someone told me I looked like Felicity Smoke. And then I finally watched it. But I, I was that committed to Smallville at the time. So I, I'm one of those that has enjoyed the Arrowverse before it was the Arrowverse. So I feel like this show will kind of make it come back full circle for all of the people that were like me because like obviously i watched it when i was really young but i'm sure there's plenty of teenagers that watched it when it was like actually out yes and and the so far it's been getting pretty good reviews from fans and from critics the ratings were pretty good for it too so i'm curious to see what how they how the show continues to, to develop in comparison to the other shows quickly before we go as we're on the top, I've been watching season two of Batwoman. New, brand new Batwoman this year with Ruby Rose departing the role. And they brought how did, in... How did they write that in? Okay, so essentially, uh, Kate Kane goes missing. One of the first, very first few minutes of the new season, uh, there's a... Kate's allegedly coming back from somewhere in a, in a plane, and the plane crashes. And... She goes missing, and and then um, it just so happens that the new character who is now in the Batwoman costume, um, Ryan Wilder, played by Javika Le- Le- Leslie, she's been great so far, by the way. She just happens to be at like the crash site and finds the Batwoman costume, and like decides to be her own like vigilante basically, and then she joins the team. But so far. Season two, I like season two a lot better than season one. Season one, way too bumpy, way too uneven. The writing wasn't all that great. They didn't really figure out what to do. Season two, so much better. Javicka Leslie is a terrific actress. And she is crushing it. Ryan, the Ryan character, is so much more interesting than the Kate character. And I think the show just works so much better in season two than it did in season one. So I'm curious, I know you watched Batwoman off and on in season one, but I'm curious for you to catch up on season two of Batwoman and let me know what you think, because I really do think it's a vast improvement from season one. I'm trying to remember where I ended off. I do remember I watched an episode, the episode where her her good sister comes over from... um, here, here we go. In case you guys didn't care about the Arrowverse, you're gonna hear a little little background of it. Um, basically, uh, in in the final like crossover that they do, all of the multiverses combine into one. And so her sister, who is evil in the in this this Earth, um, there's a good one in another Earth um, where you know they she didn't go over the edge in the car crash. Um, they had her in there. I thought they were going to like make that an interesting storyline and, and keep them both alive. I thought we were going to have a to bring up another CW show. We're going to have like a Catherine and Elena type situation where like one was good and one was bad. And I was really enjoying it. And then they just killed her off. I was like, this is dumb. 
this is actually a very interesting storyline and you just killed her off like within that episode and i was just i don't know i was just kind of irritated with the writing at that point i think i just stopped i don't blame you at all and that i agree i think that was one of the more interesting storylines of the se- of the first season and then the rest of the season just blah it's it you can take her or leave it and you can probably just pick up with season two honestly and be perfectly fine but uh anyway yeah it's getting late it's already 11 30 here we've been going for 48 minutes already um do you have anything else before we we say goodbye I can't think of anything else other than the fact that uh, we'll be gone for next episode. So Richie has um, obtained a very amazing, I don't know if it's top secret quite yet, so I won't announce it, but um, has obtained a very great and amazing co-host for um, for me being gone next week. So I... I hope you guys really enjoy Monday's episode, even though I won't be on it. It'll, it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah, we can say who it is. We can say who it is. Uh, yeah, so with Corey gone for Monday's episode, uh, I'm going to be joined by special guest co-host Jordan Nash Bolden. You've probably seen her on Twitter if you're a Coyotes fan. Uh, she was it used to be the goaltender for ASU women's hockey team. Uh, she uh, is, has since graduated and uh, has gone on to do other things. But I'm going to be talking to her. Uh, she's going to be joining me as my co-host for Monday's show. Really looking forward to it. Uh, her and I, big fans of Darcy Kemper, are hashtag Darcy for Vesna. And also, we have started a new thing on Twitter where we are we are trying to get a Jacob Chikrin for Norris campaign going. And Jordan was genius enough to come up with the hashtag Chick Norris. And so her and I have been making like Chick Norris jokes on Twitter over the last few days. Genius. Follow Jordan at Joba the goalie and follow me at Flores 91 You can go back and look. Great stuff. I'm really excited for her to uh, join the show and become a part of the, of the sporty nation. And uh, that'll be coming up Monday as, as Corey's off. Corey usually doesn't miss any shows. This is the first time Corey's missed a show in a long time. So I'm bummed to be missing out on you, Corey, but I'm excited that, uh, that Jordan's going to be joining the show. That is very sweet of you, Richie. I think this may actually be the first one I've missed ever. I don't can't remember ever missing a show. And and I I just I'm I'm going out of town and so I didn't want to leave Richie hanging. So I, I was like, you know, it's it's probably best to make plans without me so that way in case something happens when I'm driving back um uh I didn't want to leave them two out there but yes I, I don't leave the show very often so it feels weird it feels like i'm leaving my child but i know it will be in great hands and uh i'm excited to listen to it yeah that's coming out on monday so uh that's gonna do it for this episode we hope you enjoyed it we hope you really enjoyed watching the coyotes um pretty much give you heart attacks for six straight periods plus an overtime plus a shootout and we hope you enjoy the two games coming up on Friday and Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche. Should be interesting games, to say the least. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show. Follow Corey at Corey Nicole. Of course, myself at Orflores91. And uh, we will talk to you again on Monday, Sporting Nation. Good night and good hockey, everybody.